0: Hello and welcome to episode 10 of the How to Become a Personal Trainer podcast. We're your host, Mike Vacanti. My name is Jordan
1: Syatt. Today we had a guest, Joe Therapy. Not Joseph. <laughs> we made that mistake at the very beginning. His, uh, his full name is Joe Yoon. He's Joe Therapy on Instagram and YouTube, not Twitter. But uh, it was a really good episode. Joe is an expert, especially in the mobility world, the pain reduction world, the massage therapy world. And uh, he actually, he hit over a million followers on Instagram in exactly 21 months. And he talks about how he did that and how you can do that with your fitness business. Enjoy. Hello, Joseph. (laughs) <laughs> hello is that your full name joseph no it's joe it's joe really yeah. i apologize <laughs> good start to the podcast
0: <laughs> how you doing man pretty good Welcome it's good to being uh it's good being here i love
1: how you just said hello even though it's not your real name too <laughs> it's like at this point it doesn't matter i don't care hello joseph hi you, you can call me joe <laughs> joe therapy
2: joseph joey it's all good
1: oh man how's it going
2: it's good. It's been crazy a couple days. Uh, got a couple more days in New York, and then LA next week, and then I'm gonna be back in New York uh, at the end of February.
1: There we go. So, What's uh, in the end of February?
2: Uh, same type of stuff. Yeah, just same stuff. Gonna be here try to promote the book a little bit more until pub date March third. That's awesome. Joe's got
1: Joe's got a new book coming out. I've made it. <laughs> Better stretching. Better stretching is a great name. It's a great name. Whoever came up with that was. You want to talk about that
2: little story? Yeah. (laughs) So I had was it? I had dinner with Jordan and a couple other guys uh, back in. (laughs) It was like a couple years ago, and uh, I was driving Jordan back to the hotel. You were doing something with Gary, and I told you about the book, and he's like instantly was like, "You you should call it Better Stretching," (laughs) 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 and I was like. All right. I, well, I like it. That's a good title. That's a good title. I get it. And as, now it's the title of the book. <laughs> and the book,
1: man, it looks amazing. Seriously. Yeah, I appreciate it. It's beautiful. I didn't know what to expect. I mean, I've, I've personally never read a stretching book. Um, it looks incredible. And especially from the pr- way that you've been able to break down essentially what I see as not only mobility but also stability for the everyday person not for the for necessarily for the coach who's like all right i need to learn more about upper and lower cross and you know, like i'm reading Shirley Sarman which is all amazing but this is so that the person who has back pain or the person who has tight hip flexors or the person who has neck issues whatever it is they don't need to understand high level Science or high-level terminology in order to just put this into practice. I think you did a truly phenomenal job for the people who need it most. I appreciate it, and that was the whole goal—is to keep everything as simple as possible.
2: All the feedback on my Instagram is, "Hey, Joe, you make everything so simple for to for me to understand, and I can do these without even understanding English." And um, that's you know, huge. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and wow, I mean, I never but been this book is in English, but <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I want to keep that same. Uh, uh, kind of same feel that I have on my Instagram. Keep
0: it simple, easy to do. Um, that way you get the most out of it. That's awesome. Yeah. And and I think we're going to title this something along growing your Instagram or over a million Instagram followers. But from my personal perspective, just out of curiosity, I'd love to go back and hear about like kind of your upbringing in your life before we even get into the business stuff.
2: Yeah. yeah. I mean, I've, I'll try to do it uh quickly because it can get complicated. There's a lot of ups and downs. Uh let's start with yeah, so I grew up in Maine, southern Maine, which a lot of people are surprised with. Yes, there are Koreans in, <laughs> in Maine. Not that many. Uh, so is there Korean like there are Korean restaurants in Maine? Uh maybe now. There was a couple, but you know, it's uh early nineties growing up, you know, not much uh going on there. How how old are you? Uh, thirty two. Okay. So, 32, grew up in Maine, uh, had some great friends, um, had a great upbringing. It was awesome. And then went to college in Connecticut. Do you have siblings? Uh, Yeah, I have an older sister. So, she's actually two years older. Okay. uh, The same birthday.
1: Really? (laughs)
2: Yeah, same birthday. That is crazy. But she's two years older. So, a lot of angry joint birthdays <laughs> growing up, <laughs> but I guess I'm the one to blame for that. So she is, she's okay. You know, she's, uh, she's the one who has the That's right to so complain. so funny. Uh, so siblings
0: and then. Did, did you play sports in high school?
2: Yeah. Uh, I think everyone started with the soccer, the peewee soccer. <laughs> uh, then I got into basketball. Basketball was probably my first favorite sport like the jordan the kobe you know like jerry stackhouse alan iverson i mean i love yeah yeah yeah. i mean that was for me the best time uh for
1: basketball uh and then I was in, did you have the tracy mcgrady shoes no no it's too poor for that <laughs> i just remember everyone growing up i i didn't play basketball but everyone had like the McGrady's, like all those oh, shoes i had the starter <laughs> yeah. jacket i had the oh, the yeah. bulls
2: starter jacket yeah, yeah that was yeah. the classic. thing yeah the classic puffy coat uh so did that uh and then i was really good uh basketball when I was younger but then I went through a growth spurt uh, so a lot of people are surprised at how tall I am yeah I'm like you're 6'3. Um, so my shot changed a ton when I went through puberty uh, and then I just sucked because it changed the way I shot the ball and then I kind of lost passion from basketball what what age did you have your growth spurt it was like middle school so I remember vividly like being amazing at sports or at least basketball <laughs> and then my shot was so awkward i just couldn't change it back and then i kind of lost passion in basketball because i i was the you best missing i was the best
0: player on the other team too <laughs> <laughs> so, well, and to go from that to like not being good or not feeling like you're good that's a huge shift especially yeah, yeah. As a kid you know
2: back then i probably shouldn't have given up but i mean it was like i just went to the Your next kid, sport yeah. exactly you you was do like i don't know you enjoy <laughs> exactly yeah uh did some golf did lacrosse those were my two big sports in in high school okay uh, yeah did really well in those uh, and then went off, went off to college uh did horrible in college people Where'd think you go to college uh, quinnipiac university oh, yeah, in yeah, connecticut okay. and again people think i'm you know very smart and very educated i did i did horrible in school <laughs> <laughs> it was bad i got kicked out of my major that was really yeah it was that they bad they booted you out in my major, yeah, I got uh, I graduated with a bachelor's, but it wasn't in what I intended to. <laughs> uh, what did you intend to graduate? Uh, it was called diagnostic imaging. It was doing like X rays, MRI, CT scans. Okay. And I did great in like the lab portion and the clinical portions, but when it came to just sitting down and studying, it mm-hmm. just wasn't what I was good at. Uh, so I I kind of wish I was more self aware back then because it's like, oh, why am I doing so great in clinicals, but this test, like I'm failing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. uh So I realized that now, <laughs> 10 years, t- you know, 12 years later. uh So I graduated, figured I'd try to get a job and couldn't get a job. Uh, but that's right when I started to work out seriously, going on like bodybuilding.com forums and watching every YouTube video, all the original YouTube fitness guys. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: And figured. What's like, the, was it scooby was that his name <laughs> do yeah. you remember him yeah. remember scooby. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely
0: just point and shoot five minute video gets yeah. millions of views yeah scooby mm-hmm. uh he's and, jacked too yeah he was jacked <laughs> yeah
2: i mean yeah he was huge uh so those guys like a steve cook uh, scott herman uh those were the guys i was watching um mm-hmm. uh, i was a trainer from gold's gym uh Mike O'Hearn? No, no, no. There's another trainer there that trains all the top guys too. Uh, Oh, I know who you're talking about. But like, I would learn all these tips from him, and I'm like, you know what? I could probably coach this. (laughs) So, (laughs) got my NASM certification, uh, moved to uh, Boston, and worked at a BSC. We actually lived, uh, Jordan and I. We lived in the same town, Davis Square. Davis Square, but one year apart. So I moved to Uh Florida. And that's when you moved oh, to it. Davis Square. And were you at the BSC in Davis? No, I was the, in the BSC in Lexington. Got it. Got it. Okay. And uh, spent a couple years there. And while I was there, I did my massage therapy license in Medford. Medford. Uh, Medfa. Medford. <laughs> and uh, did what, that part time. What, what made you want to do that? So I, I met a guy who did both. He was a trainer therapist, massage therapist, and he was in the golf industry uh, And he had a client, I was shadowing him one day, and he had a client come in. he's like, oh, you know, the coach is trying to get me in this certain position. I just can't do it. So he would do some soft tissue work, manipulations, Mm -hmm. and almost instantly he could get into these positions that his coach wanted him to be in. And I'm like, wow, this is so cool. Like, this can help my training clients so much. Like, imagine if they can't get into a certain position and you just do a couple things to them. Mm -hmm. Now they could overhead press better they could probably squat better Uh, so that's what got me interested in it and massage was the quickest way to get a license to physically be able to touch people or legally be able to uh, touch people so um, that's what I did and I did that part-time I did that from 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. so I would wake up at 5 a.m. every single day to train clients go to school and then go back to the gym at nighttime to train whatever clients I had at that time wow how old were you then uh, 25, uh, 24, 25. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, prime grind time. Yep. I and mean, those <laughs> so five AMs every day for Were you two single years.
0: at the time? Um, on and off. <laughs> okay. Okay. I'm, I'm just curious because that, <laughs> ba- that balance, being able to work 10, 12, 14, 16 hour days and have a girlfriend is like, yeah, not an easy thing.
2: I don't know why, but I think it was a lot easier back then because, um, Actually I don't know why I, it's, I feel like it's harder now mm-hmm. uh, especially being my own boss. I think because I wasn't my own boss mm-hmm. technically back then. Mm-hmm. It's like I still went in dirt certain hours but now it's the grind is always on the mind. <laughs> uh.
0: <laughs> and and there's no external uh, accountability or at least from a, like there is from your audience but there's not from an authority figure. Exactly.
2: So it's a lot tougher to I feel like structuring your days and um, you know, it's tough to just take your mind off of, Hey, what am I going to do to grow my business? And, you know, where's my income going to come from? Because now it's not as guaranteed as before. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is no. super scary. Yeah. I mean, that, that's the toughest part. So I think it's a lot tougher to balance relationships, which, you know, I've, you know, I have admittedly struggled with because it's like, we go into this, we started from nothing. And then it just becomes our passion. It's like we don't want it to fail. Mm-hmm. So all of the attention might be on the business side instead of the relationship side.
1: Mm-hmm. Makes total sense. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah, crazy. So you're 24, 25, grinding.
2: Grinding. And then I got into the golf industry and moved to Florida, which I'm still at. Uh, and doing that same type of work. And this is where I got really interested in more of the mobility side of things. Um, for golf? Uh, for golf. But just in general, like I started doing... Learning a little bit more about the movement assessments and the mobility versus stability type of work, where you know what, maybe it's not a mobility issue, maybe it's a stability issue, and that like really blowed my mind. It was crazy when I first learned that.
1: I remember that too. Yeah,
2: and uh, I'm a big Mike Boyle guy as well, so it was like the joint versus a joint by joint theory. Yeah. Uh, so, adding all those things in with just like a simplistic approach on fitness, too, uh, you know, horizontal push, vertical pull, whatever, mm-hmm. um, you know, that's when I started to kind of carve out my niche uh, back then. And uh, it's and kind the of the st-
1: joint by joint approach. That just seems like a lifetime ago. When he was talking about that.
2: I remember buying his DVDs. Yeah. Strength coach DVDs.
1: Yeah, It was like eight DVDs would come to my place. I'm like, (laughs) "Uh, what the hell are these? (laughs) I remember I made, he would have interns at his gym. And I remember in order to be an intern, you had to submit a video um, interview. It's like a video of yourself asking me an intern. I think on a different YouTube channel, not the one that I have now, on a different YouTube channel, I submitted one from Israel when I was like 18 years old being like, Mr. Boyle, I had, I had an <laughs> earring, Boyle? I had an earring in it, and I had a mohawk, and I, <laughs> that's amazing. I gotta see a picture of this. And I, the video's online somewhere, and uh, man, that just seems like it, so much has changed in the industry since then. It's really remarkable. It is wild. Uh, yeah, and it's going to change even more, <laughs> which is the crazier thing. So, all right, so then you go to Florida, joint by joint, you learn all these approaches for golf.
2: Yeah, and then... Uh, There's a lot of back and forth, and I'm a little bit all over the place. I think it was the struggle of trying to figure out what I really wanted to do um, Mm -hmm. and trying to figure that out. So I just went to where I thought I had the best opportunity, and I would kind of follow these people I admired and try to reach. It's like, if these people are successful, i got to do what these guys did. So I got the opportunity to go to Jersey, and I worked at a golf club uh, in Springfield, New Jersey—
1: Oh, you moved from Florida to Jersey? Yeah,
2: yeah. So I moved there for one year, and you guys should know this: what's in Springfield, New Jersey?
0: Ah, <laughs> oh, come on. Is, is that where Gary's from? It's wine, y- yeah, wine library. Oh, that's where wine library L- is. <laughs> got it, got it. Jeez, <laughs> good thing there's you really
1: can't tell me listening.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, so I
2: did that for a year, um, but there was what, kind of, what golf course? Uh, it's called a Baltusrol Golf Club. Very, it's one of the top golf clubs in America. It Had Hosted the most uh, majors. What's what's the best score you posted there? Oh, um, I don't know. I, you can't really... I, I personally couldn't play like all
0: 18 at once because it's... Because it's like, you can only play at night. Yeah, it's like, like after can everyone sneak leaves. You at 7 p.m. and get like maybe 13 holes in. Exactly, exactly. Because yeah. it's such an elite course and very
2: private. Mm-hmm. Um, just being a part of it. If you're a golf nut and you're, they're like, oh, you work there, these people like like, holy shit, Joe. Get some clout in the golf world. Yeah, it's crazy.
1: And the the, the employers are like, don't be on the course. Don't exactly, their yeah. course. <laughs> <Those> <laughs> Huge divots in the ground. <laughs> you are scum. <laughs>
2: so, yeah, I did that for one year, but I was working for a top uh, PGA Tour trainer at the time. Uh, he's still a top a trainer, but I felt capped at my salary. And I got a salary, too, which was amazing as a trainer. I feel like that's... Yeah. That could be the goal for some people because you got the stability, Mm -hmm. um, you got the benefits like health insurance. You know, it was pretty good. Doing work you enjoy. Exactly. Doing work you enjoy. But it just, I felt like I could make more. And I, you know, couldn't be as creative, you know, you're always under someone's watch, so you always have to be careful what you're saying, you almost can't be yourself sometimes because, you know, you have to make sure that you're doing right to your boss. Yeah, yep, that's a great Um, point. So I was working for the golf course and this guy, so I had to make sure I was super proper. Uh, <laughs> super, uh-huh. super proper I wish I could
1: see proper Joe
2: <laughs> <laughs> you, you guys see the a different side You know, I keep it pretty tame on um, online You know, I try to say not as many swear words as Jordan and I've been
1: working on it
2: <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know, but I haven't seen it
1: <laughs>
2: Oh, have you? I haven't noticed <laughs> and, <laughs> and so I was doing that and I was like, ah, oh, you know what? I just I feel like I could do more. And I was doing Instagram, but more like personal page and like working out the the typical stuff back then. I mean, this is 2015, maybe. Mm -hmm. Um, And this is the cool part is I stumbled upon Gary's video or one of his videos. And it might have been your video, Mike. You were on there
0: with Mike uh, Rashid. Mike Rashid. And Jill. Uh, Yeah, I remember that one. Yes, that was an, it, was, it, was, it was an Ask Gary V. fitness entrepreneur yeah. episode. So mm-hmm. I, I don't know what I was typing in. It must you have had been your
1: super gelled hair at that point. I remember,
0: and you, you were wearing the ideas mm-hmm. or shit shirt. I was wearing that shirt. Yeah. I spilled coffee on it <laughs> on my way to the. <laughs> <laughs> so that I don't know what I was
2: uh, searching for, but I think it was you know like fitness entrepreneurship, or I was typing in Gary V. Fitness. I think that's what I put up because I think I found some of his videos and I'm like, oh, does he have any fitness oriented content to help me out? Your video popped up and it probably made me quit. That's probably the reason why it made me quit my job. Because I, I always amazing. say Gary V was the reason why I became an entrepreneur, but I, it was the, your video that pushed it over the top. I'm like, wow, I want to be like this Mike guy. <laughs> you know, he's got, like, amazing. Yeah, he's got like a so membership awesome. site. Then I like looked up your website. You got the Ben and Jerry's. Uh, picture up there and i'm like and the what? dog and the small dog too well yeah, what? down at the bottom <laughs> yep yep so i'm like okay this is really cool like i think i'm gonna quit so i quit my job and that's moved, so badass yeah moved back to florida and on the way down i drove down listening to crushing it by gary v and
0: and in, uh, your, and in your mind at that point like did you have anything waiting for you in florida no uh and, and did you have savings like were you worried about how you were going to make money i was in debt over (laughs) twenty thousand
2: dollars uh i thought i was gonna kind of go back into the groove of this whole golf fitness therapy because i was there before so i'm like you know what i'll probably just pick up right where i left off make plenty of money find clients uh no savings i had like enough for uh renting an apartment security deposit but i probably didn't have more than a month extra uh in my bank account on top of that i was in debt (laughs) (laughs) with no real plan uh so yeah i ended up moving down the golf stuff failed bad really yeah and a lot of people don't you'll probably hear this on some future podcasts but i was selling uh i sold my golf clubs i sold my golf clothes I was selling like textbooks that I owned to Amazon for twenty dollars credit to Amazon, uh, just to skim by, just to pay my rent. For how long? Uh, for a few months. Wow. I mean, it was it was just like pretty high pressure. Like first, you know, I would always have just enough money to skate by, uh, and you know, I had a one client back then who paid a, a package deal. So I got a little bit of money upfront, mm-hmm. but that was a toxic relationship too, just from a client uh, trainer perspective, uh, which was adding to the stress. So back then, uh, it was bad. And this was all pre-Instagram. Mm-hmm. Pre-Instagram or what you see now. How long ago was this like? 2000, it was at the end of 2016. Got it, okay. Uh, so I moved to Florida probably August or September. Uh, thought I was going to pick up right where I left off. It didn't. So probably until February of 2017, uh, it was
0: bad for those few months. Like yeah. just scraping by month to month on rent. Like exactly. Not sure what you were going to do. What was your primary goal? Do you remember at that time? Were you trying to get more clients? I was trying to get more clients. I was working with other golf
2: instructors to try to get them to push some clients to me. But I forgot that a lot of these kids, they go to golf academies or they stuck with those people because I used to be one of those, uh, professionals where all these kids would go to, uh, for work. But because I left for that year, it's almost, I got forgotten and they just went into other places for their work to get done. Uh, so I was trying to get more clients. It was tough. I got a part-time job, $40 a day. (laughs) I was (laughs) $40 a day, five days a week. Uh, doing a return to sport. So it was a lot of these kids coming out of PT, but they're not ready to go into their sport. Uh, So I was kind of that bridge from rehab to performance, really concentrating on a lot of these soccer players uh, Mm -hmm. who came off of ACL tears, uh, doing a lot of unilateral work, trying to get their leg strength. Is this a
0: nonprofit organization?
2: No, no, this was uh, with one of the, it's a very top gym in Orlando. And you're making $5 an hour. Oh, it was, it was um, it was forty dollars. It was twenty dollars per hour session. So I would run this I little group see, class. See. Got it. Uh, so it'd be two sessions a day. Okay. Twenty bucks each. Got it. Uh, and this is where we we're doing some plyo stuff. Just basically making sure that they were cutting correctly, loading into each leg properly, and could change direction without uh, excess stress on their legs mm-hmm. or their knees. Uh, so I did that for a few months, and that kind of held me over. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was it a couple hundred dollars a week? Um, that mm-hmm. was good enough with a little bit of the golf stuff I was doing on the side, uh, but it wasn't sustainable. Uh, so I ended up just shifting. Once my client's package finished, mm-hmm. uh, I fired him or I didn't see him again. Uh, and Which did you do? Did you ghost
0: him or did you fire him? <laughs> uh, was there a conversation?
2: He, he knew it was coming. I see. Okay. It was pretty, pretty bad going into the last couple sessions. I see. Um, so it was kind of like we knew it wasn't going to happen. Yeah, got it. And that was the time I kind of, uh, kind of, kind of put all these like negative people aside. Mm-hmm. And then I changed my mindset and business and I pivoted. And that's when you see the Instagram stuff coming up. mm mm-hmm. uh, and I was like, "You know what, Orlando's a big fitness community, a lot of bodybuilders, a lot of fitness competitors. They don't have a lot of people to do their body work, um, like the grass and type of stuff, and you know their massages. And I'm like, you know what? this is probably a better market in Orlando, and there's not too many people who do the stuff I do. So let me pivot and try to promote that now." And then that's where the
0: Instagram started to pop up and and that's when you started posting. Uh, like posting videos like you post now, or what? What inspired you to start making content that was actually helpful for people on Instagram, and how did you go about doing it?
2: So it started off by. Uh- it was a very different approach. So if you scroll all the way down, which a lot of people don't, it looks Most people do not. No, yeah. I mean, you have to scroll. I don't even scroll that far. Uh, it looks totally different. It's very typical business. Oh, taking pictures with your clients. Hey, can you share this picture on your Instagram? Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. Me showing some of the techniques I would do in my massage therapy sessions. Hope, Hopefully, you know, people would see, oh, he works with this person. Uh, he must be good. Mm-hmm. Or he works on my buddy. I'll give Joe a shot, mm-hmm. and I started to grow a little bit. Grow but, in person or on uh, both? Yeah, so okay. it grew a little bit on Instagram. It also grew my business in person. So I was getting sessions, and after a couple months, it was pretty good. I was very surprised. A lot of it was from word
1: of mouth too, of course. Uh, so I can't totally give. But there's IG a lot the to be said for like a word of mouth referral. Then saying go look at his go look at his Instagram. And then they'll see this stuff, like they'll see you working on their friends. So word of mouth, but word of mouth plus the visual aspect of exactly. this is exactly what I'm doing.
2: Which is amazing because I call Instagram, it's, it's like the modern day resume. Yeah. You know, they're like, oh, check out Jordan, check out Mike. It's like, oh, who are these people? And you go on their Instagram, it's like, oh, Okay. They work with this guy. Oh, they work with this guy. I oh, feel like I know them more. Feel like yeah. I know what their
1: values are like where their morals are. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. So
2: it's it's almost like building rapport before you even meet them, so mm-hmm. they're more
1: comfortable with uh, going in to see you. Yeah, but actually, that's a really good point. I sort of want to talk about that for a second. If you look at the resume, you have like the like what you studied. So you have, or what your job is, so you know like what they're an expert in, you know what their expertise lies in. But they also have extracurricular activities, like so you can see, okay, maybe they were at the church, or maybe they were doing volunteering, so you can see where, the, like where their values and morals and ethics are, what they care about. You and so Instagram is sort of the same thing, where it's like, okay, so if you're posting business style content, then they can see where your expertise are, what you're trying to help people with. But then maybe in your stories or in your captions or whatever it is, they can see that you're talking about or going to volunteer, you're hanging out with your family a lot. You're family person. It sort of shows that rather than being in a bullet point, but in real life circumstances. Mm-hmm.
2: So I've actually talked about this. Uh, my first ever panel talk uh, was about Instagram and it was in front of a lot of these, you know, the top of the top health fitness professionals. And I brought up the, the point of use your Instagram to build rapport, because for me personally, and not everyone has to do it this way, I did a lot of my educational stuff on my main page. But my Instagram story was a place where people could get an inside look of what I was doing on a day-to-day basis. So people Mm -hmm. could be like, oh, Joe's getting coffee again. Joe's eating something crappy again. (laughs) Um, Oh, Joe, this is how he speaks and this is how he acts. So when I would get a client who was from Instagram come in for a session, it's almost like they already knew me. Yes, Mm -hmm. And in a business where, uh, for me personally... You know, I have to get them, you know, for guys like take your shirt off, girls come in in, you know, gym clothes. It could be uncomfortable, but they already automatically felt comfortable because it's almost like they knew me already. So I didn't have to break down any barriers and it
0: makes the sessions go by amazingly way more smooth. Yeah. And another good point is you weren't making the same type of content now or then that you are now. And I would imagine you would say that the content you're making now is better content I think so
2: because it's uh it helps reach more people. So one of the biggest issues, so I, I decided to transition a little bit because I got a lot of comments saying, Joe, your stuff is great, but I'm not in Orlando. If I was in Orlando, I would come see you. And I'm like, damn. <laughs> I need I need you to come in. Uh but then I realized there's so many you have more. Any business trips you're seeing <laughs> it's like going to Disney World anytime soon. And it was tough. So I'm like, you know what? I think I can help more people than just the people in Orlando. And that's when I started to put up the content you see now, whereas these self-massage techniques where they can do it themselves. Mm-hmm. And then that's when everything started to blow up. I was growing, uh, you know, you a know, couple people here and there, maybe a hundred people a week. But then a hundred people a week is a lot. Oh, like. it's a shit ton. And then I started to post this type of work and – I remember doing one post, and this was at the time when I was trying to figure out what the best was. This the thoracic uh, post? No, oh no, no, no that one's yeah. that's a uh, all time uh, great for me. Uh, <laughs> but you know, I was trying to figure out should I do these infographics? Should I do videos? How should I lay out my my Instagram page? So it was a mishmash of everything. The first video that ever blew up, and it's it's ironic because it's a lacrosse ball that I show, and not, oh, not, not, a, tennis and not a tennis ball, <laughs> and it was a hamstring release. interesting yeah and i wouldn't have expected that to do that well so it was what you see now the split screen it's the title the picture of the body part then the video on the side no talking just me demoing it and i remember putting that up going to bed waking up to 400 new followers and i said i'm gonna stick with this format until it doesn't work
1: it's worked ever since that's awesome yeah that's That's amazing. amazing Yeah, it's pretty cool. Very cool. Did, did, were you doing hashtags? Like, were you just posting the video?
2: So I was doing the hashtags, uh, but I realized it really comes down to content. Yes. It doesn't matter what hashtag you use. It's important. I still do it anyways. Uh, but if your content is garbage then you're not going to get the followers.
1: That's exactly right.
2: I even, you know, I dabbled. I think all of us have dabbled. Shout outs uh, on one page, a big meme page or something. Or can you, you know, can you refer me and or uh, repost something on your page? Um, and I did that early on and I got some followers. I did, uh, I think some page had like 100,000 followers. I was like, hey, how much for a little shout out? And this was early on. I think I still actually had my massage business back then or it was mostly massage stuff. Um, and like, I got some followers. And then my buddy did it in Orlando and he got like no followers. <laughs> so it was really interesting to learn. Like, yeah. it doesn't matter, um, you know, how much money you pay or what page you're on. You can totally pay some big page to put your post up. But if your content is garbage when they go to it, you're not going to get follow.
1: exactly. That's exactly right. It's, That's why everyone, it, I sort of talk about this principle of powerful content versus tactical content. To the effect of, listen, they're both important and making it powerful, make it helpful, making it high quality and tactical in terms of, yeah, like if you're not using hashtags, you're being stupid, but you could use the best hashtags in the world. You can use the best advertisements in the world. But if your content sucks, then you're wasting your time. If your content isn't actually valuable or helping people, if it isn't done in a very uh, enjoyable and very easy to understand way, then it doesn't matter how tactical you are. Like if you're posting yourself in your pickup truck or your dog or whatever it is, like no one cares. Yep. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I think that's what you've done. You you're a genius with. I think I think especially in the. In the fitness world, specifically even the subset of strength and conditioning, mobility, flexibility, stability, like the pain reduction, pain elimination world, but not just that, because I, I do say strength and conditioning as well, because improving mobility for the squad or the deadlift sure. or whatever it is, performance world we'll call it. Um, I think you've changed the game. I think that you are I think one of the genius, most genius aspects of your content is that you don't even need words. Mm -hmm. You literally, you don't even need to say a thing. Uh It doesn't matter if they have sound on or sound off. You don't need subtitles. They watch you for about seven to 12 seconds and they know what they can do to get better immediately. It's incredible. It really, and I think you change the game and you change the industry with that stuff.
2: It was, it was interesting. I, I talked to a buddy of mine when I went to London and we followed each other mutually on Instagram and I went to have some gin with him and he was like, Joe, you're, they were like crushing in and I'm like, yeah, I don't know how I'm doing it. And he's like, I know why it's people watch your videos and it's so simple that a six year old could watch your video yes. and understand what's going on. And I never thought of it that way. Then he like said, it's some sort of, you know, principle, <laughs> you know, there's a theory on it. Um, I was like, oh yeah, cool, cool. And <laughs> but it means. Was
1: I t- the one that said that?
2: No, no, it wasn't. Okay. you. <laughs> and it's no, definitely can't not. take all the credit for everything. <laughs> and it was uh it made sense. I was like, "Oh, I didn't really think of it that way where literally probably a 6 7 year old could look at the video and be like, "Oh, it's for this body part and this is how you do it." And then that's it. You know, that's simple.
0: How did you begin to make the shift? So so You were making content before that wasn't as helpful for people everywhere in the world. You started making content that was more helpful for anyone consuming it, which is amazing because then you can literally help someone in any country in the world. How did you think about shifting your business from exclusively in-person to both in-person and online? So so that that was tough because I was doing...
2: So I was doing massage therapy sessions where I was getting a full book. My days would be pretty booked up. Mm -hmm. And it was. Is is that like six sessions a day? Maybe. uh, I mean. Four to six. The longest day I ever had was, I think it was like 8 a.m. to 9 p.m. And these were consecutive sessions. Just straight. Straight. 13 straight sessions. Pretty much. Some (laughs) Some were hour and a half. Oh my God. And I remember I was at an event with one of my athletes and our flight got canceled. So we had to take a red eye back to Orlando from California. So I got in at 4 a.m., took like a two hour nap, got ready and went straight to where I was working at the time where I was renting a room and busted out this long-ass day, and I was delusional and <laughs> drinking as many monsters as I could. Which I, one? Which monster? I one? was drinking purple that day, the purple <laughs> one. Nice. It's crazy how you remember these things. That's probably because I was Instagram storing it or something. Like, oh, crazy day. I needed the caffeine. <laughs> and... Um, but usually it would be four days, but four to five would be a pretty pretty big day. Uh, just because I'm working, I'm manually doing stuff, which is a little bit more effort. I think even training, doing five sessions a day is a se- technically full time. And I wanted to help more people, and I was struggling to do that because I had all this uh, work that I had to do from the uh, massage therapy session, Darn work. And I was like, shit,
1: <laughs> <laughs> how do I make Instagram
2: money? And uh, so I was still doing.
1: <laughs> it's so funny you say that. It's like people really think that just having more followers means you're just, oh, I want yeah. that Instagram Does money. Does Instagram pay you? <laughs> <Yeah. or how laughs> well, that's,
2: that's what I thought. It wasn't true. And uh, I started, to, and like I was still putting the post up, which also I think helped me too, because I wasn't worried about the money. I think yes. a lot of the trainers and therapists nowadays they go into Instagram worried about getting money, yes. making money. How do I get these sponsorships? Where I was making my income from a different source, so I could concentrate on just putting good content out without, without the stress That's of a huge advantage, yeah, without the stress of like, oh, I need to make money to pay for rent.
1: This yeah. is something Mike and I literally actually I didn't even forward this to you. Um, I got we got an email, but it came to me basically someone being like. Why would I give away all my best content for free that doesn't make any sense? And uh, what you just said is exactly why in terms of when you give content away with the intent, when the sole intent is to make money, you end up not giving your best content. But when you give content away with the intent to make it as good as possible and as helpful as possible you also end up not just helping people, but creating a sustainable income from that. Mm-hmm. A lot of people misconstrue what we say as when we say the intent shouldn't be to make money. People think we're saying that making money is bad or you shouldn't make money for your expertise, your time. It's not what we're saying. Mm-hmm. We're saying from a mental perspective, it will help you make better content yes. that will then lead to more sustainable income and helping more people if that isn't your primary goal
2: exactly and there's another thing i actually talked about on that same panel was there's so much damn information out now nothing's a secret yeah. so i rather you get the information from me than finding it from someone else super powerful mm-hmm. and i told everyone this there i'm like you guys have probably s- spent so much money on continuing education you invested in yourself and your career why would I give all this information that I learned that I paid for out for free? And that was the hardest thing for me, was do I wanna put all these exercises out that I learned or how I program them? Uh, it took me a long time because I spent a lot of money. We've all spent shit ton of money on continuing education. But now you just go to Google. Now you just go to YouTube. Yeah, Everyone's putting out content on Instagram. You know what, I want you to find it from me, so you trust me. And I'd rather you just find it for me and I become where you get your information from. So that was a huge transition from, man, I want money. Like, I don't want these people. These people need to pay for this. Yes. Mm-hmm. To, you know what? I'll just give it away for free. You'll trust me. And now you will see me. Like, Any, anytime you need something stretching, gonna see Joe's page.
0: Yeah. yeah it's, and, and, and then you're not resentful as a result because yes. people who go into making content specifically to make money become resentful very quickly. I have Mm -hmm. found when they're not within one month or two months or three months of making that money, they don't want to be making the content because they feel like the people consuming it don't deserve it. They feel like they're entitled to be getting paid when you're not. And we called what you had an advantage, or you might've said you had an advantage that you had that side income. And so Instagram you didn't have to go into it with the mentality of trying to make more money, but just helping as many people as possible. You also created that advantage for yourself, exactly. Like you were working full-time manual labor on the side to give yourself that advantage, which which is important for people listening to internalize. Like you created that opportunity for yourself.
2: yeah, and I think a lot of people forget that, you know, when they see someone with a big following, it's like, oh, they're so lucky they just did social media. and Now they're huge. (laughs) (laughs) But anyone who's gotten to that point knows we've probably been in really bad situations or just really long days where we did this after we worked all day, before we worked all day, Mm -hmm. in between our sessions. It wasn't, oh, they have all day to build content. I almost kind of got lucky because I was starting my business. um, And, you know, I had some extra downtime because I was poor, (laughs) didn't have any money trying to build clientele. So I could do both. I could do the Instagram while I was doing, you know, one to two
1: sessions and then spent all my other time trying to promote. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's so funny. I've always said when people are like, oh, they're just so lucky. Like they just, they have social media. I'm like, well, listen, if you think it's that easy, why don't you do it? We'll see. it's like it. It's one. They're like, oh, they just do social media. It's like, so why don't you just do social media? Then if it's that easy, it's like it's it's a it's a tremendous blessing and it's incredible that we have this opportunity. But I very much believe like it. It is so unbelievably hard to be. Th- there's so many aspects of it. The consistency aspect is, I think, the first and foremost part that mm-hmm. most people struggle with. Right, where it's like. They're just not doing it as consistently as they think they're doing. In the same way that a lot of clients, they're not in a calorie deficit as consistently as they think they are, without losing weight. But all of a sudden, they get in a calorie deficit consistently. Like, oh my god, it's working! After you get the consistency part down, which is what ninety nine percent of the people struggle with, then you start going through the phases of content creation, which is sort of what you were talking about. How you scroll down and down and down. It was different, but the more you did it the more you learned the more you learned how to improve it the more you learned about oh, different 100%. types of content and only through the the times and trials and of error the trial and error and the practice did you eventually stumble upon the type of post that has continued to work very well for you But that only happened because of all the times you posted that it didn't work as well for you, that you eventually, you know what, I'll try this. And that only comes through trial and error. It's sort of like when people are struggling with fat loss, they're like, oh, I'm always hungry. I'm always hungry. I'm always hungry. Then like, they're trying new food. They're trying this. They're trying that. and All of a sudden, oh, you know what? Cottage cheese really fills me up. Oh, you know what? Like grilled chicken really fills me up. And then all of a sudden fat loss becomes easier, not because now they know calorie deficit, but because they've actually tried enough different foods. They've spent time going through the grocery store, looking at the nutrition labels they find what works best for them i think that's what you've done tremendously well and i think that that's what a lot of people need to understand is for the first i mean it could literally be the first year that you post oh yeah like every single day you might grow minimally if at all like but it's that practice that will eventually lead to something a hundred percent did you just see like water pour out of my nose a couple minutes ago did you see that no that's how i got this <laughs> i literally i i have a uh, I have a serious sinus infection and I just started doing the squirty thing at my nose today. A and pot. I took my sweatshirt off and I looked down and I did that earlier today and literally just whoosh, water came out of my nose. <laughs> I missed <laughs> that, why I got up yeah, to get this. I missed this. that too. I
2: was, so, <laughs> I was so deep into what you were saying that I missed it.
1: <laughs> you all right? Yeah, no, I'm great. I'm
2: great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that consistency part is so important. Yeah. Um, I've only missed two days in three years from posting. And the reason why was those posts were trending. So I was getting a lot of followers and I didn't know what the etiquette was back then. Like, hey, if I post, <laughs> will, I, will it slow this down? Right. So I kept the the wave going. Um, so I'd post one time, two times, even three times a day uh, for three years straight. And I try to tell people, if this is going to be your main business, like your Instagram is going to drive whatever you do, you have to be as consistent as possible. And you almost have to take the emotions out of it because we get depressed, we get sad, we have other shit to do, but this is your business. You cannot take a day off because imagine if you just went to a job and took, man, I'm feeling depressed today. I'm going to take a month off of social media
1: (laughs) or whatever your job,
2: you would get fired. So I took that same approach with social. I'm like, I don't want to do anything. I'm sad. I'm hungover. (laughs) (laughs) Something like that. I'm like, I just don't want to post. But I made sure I got it done because each time you post is another opportunity someone might see you. Absolutely. If I didn't post one day, maybe this athlete never would have saw me and he never would have come in for a session and now he's one of my best clients or now you know he helps me market because he lets me use his name for marketing yep um you never know you know you never know that's
0: a great way to think about
2: it it's it's amazing and i think I, i watched something of gary's too i think he was talking about he was talking to a musician he's like oh should i do uh concentrate on just one really good song or should i put out 30 songs one a day he's like 30 songs. You don't know what's good and you know you don't never know what's going to hit. It could just be, you know, if you spend all this time on one post, which I see on Instagram a lot. People are perfectionists and they have no followers. They're like, oh, "I'm going to spend a whole day on this one sick ass video and then no one sees it." Mm-hmm. So early on, I was putting out iPhone these are all iPhone videos yep. and it was I kept it the same uh format because they were easy to replicate. So I could bust them out fairly easily. And do it at a frequent rate where I never concentrated on the production value yet because no one was following me at the time. And once people started following me, yeah, maybe I, you know, then I upgraded to an iPhone 10. Then I started using Adobe Premiere. Uh, Yeah, so it's it's all about the consistency and just making sure you're putting stuff out there for people
1: to see or potentially see. You know, it's interesting. I think like all things there has to be some balance with that right because you have the on one end the the extreme perfectionists who are not only trying to make every single post literally perfect so they only post one time a month and they're also making trying to make the aesthetic of their page mm-hmm. symmetrical and perfect because no one cares like stop doing that but like on the other end you have the people who are like posting constantly non-stop and they're not keeping any form of, of quality. They're more just yeah, like, I'm yeah. posting because Gary told me to post 100 times a day, <laughs> so here's like my... like A, wh- a repost of a lion <laughs> meme that says, get it today. <laughs> yeah, they have like two <laughs> words in their caption and 47 hashtags, which they just copy and pasted from the last 47 posts. And it's like, there obviously has to be some middle ground in terms of, listen, I'd rather you post one time a day than and have it be really high quality than post one time a week and have it be tremendous quality. But what most people most people are not posting one time a day. Yeah. They're not. And I think sort of to what you were saying how if you just take all those days off work just because like you're upset or whatever it is or you get fired. This is and this is one of the things I struggle with cuz sometimes I struggle with the saying um it's like 90% of life is just showing up or and part of me loves that but part of me also hates it cuz it's like well no it's not just showing up. Like you actually have to it's not just going on your phone going on Instagram like you have to post. You have to interact with people. You have to go out of your way to help people. You have to try and find ways to to make your content better so it's going to help more people. It's not just showing up. It's not just posting to say I posted. Exactly. I think a lot of people will use the post. Oh, well, I posted it and they'll check it off their to-do list. It's like, yeah, but you did that in literally 32 seconds. Like, how about you spend two hours on a post every day mm-hmm. for seven days a week for two years? Then we can talk about whether or not you deserve to be frustrated. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Absolutely. And Another reason why I think Joe can get away with, call it just showing up and posting, are the years prior to being on Instagram where you were doing the real work in person, where you were training clients, when you were working with clients, massage therapy clients, when you were getting your license, when you were doing the things to build your knowledge and experience so that you can condense that into a helpful bite-sized post at a time.
2: Yeah, exactly. It's everything from the massage therapy and the training and then putting it into simplistic form. Again, I totally agree with the quality. It has to have some sort of quality. It can't just be the repost of a random meme or something or motivational quote. Um, You know, luckily I found what worked for me. So it was the right format and it was stretching or self-massage. So I knew it was probably going to work. So I had a very consistent model and, uh, that's why for me, I was like showing up was good enough because I knew what was working at the time. I had a good, kind of good grasp of, uh, what the end goal was where, yeah, a lot of people just, I'll just take a quick picture of me at the gym, you know, (laughs) Mm -hmm. doing an exercise and this put a motivational quote underneath it and like, I'm done where it's probably not, you know, the greatest way to promote whatever you're doing, um, I think a lot of people, they do that, let's just take a fitness model, shirtless picture, post it, done, 32 seconds, but they don't see if it's actually engaging with the people Mm -hmm. or they're not going into the comments talking to people. I mean, I remember the first year I answered every single DM that came in. Yeah. I answered every single comment. I still answer a lot of comments now Um, and people tend to just, they don't have followers And they don't even do any of that. (laughs) It's like, we have followers and we're doing that. Yeah. You know, you can't forget what got you there. It's a great point. And that's what people are used to. They're like, oh, Joe actually is answering stuff that I'm
1: asking. Gary has the best analogy for this. I love this analogy. Gary says, if you are posting something and people are commenting and you're not replying, it's basically like inviting someone over for dinner and not talking to them. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, if they're taking the time out of their day to comment on your post, you better reply. It's so it's so interesting, and mm-hmm. it, th- I think the most cliche post that I see from from people on in the fitness industry who are like uh, they don't know what to post, and they're almost like resentful that they don't have a large following, and they think they know a lot is the cliche one that I see is they go to the gym, they post, and they'll they'll write we all have the same 24 hours in a day <laughs> and they'll talk about how great they are that they got to the gym and then they'll be complaining that they like aren't getting followers. I'm like, listen, we all got the same 24 hours in a day. I posted three times. <laughs> Just dish it right back. Wow, that's so good.
0: You went from not having an Instagram basically in early 2017 to over a million, point three i wasn't
2: i wasn't counting but it was 21 months uh from zero to a million okay zero
0: to a million (laughs) no one's counting but
2: But it was it was really easy to find uh, because i hit one million followers last new year day new year's day oh wow yeah so it was a really it ended up being perfect timing so it was really
0: easy to figure out when i uh and i was counting (laughs) (laughs) tell us tell us if you could redo it, what are one to two things you might've done differently or what are one or two mm. of the biggest mistakes you feel like you made in that journey?
2: I would say I really like how I set up everything. You know, you know, we were talking about this a little bit before. Um, well, so I set everything up. So it was all educational on my main page. And then it was more personal stuff on my stories. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I almost made my, uh, my, my, stories, just personal. They used to have some educational stuff in it, but then I went to put some, uh, some of the, <laughs> uh, some of the, I'm putting this uh, on my story right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I get it. Tag me. So I started putting, uh, my, or my personal stuff online, but I was putting educational stuff on there as well. Uh, when I stopped putting the educational stuff up, people were like, Hey Joe, I don't want to see you drinking coffee. Like, where's the good stuff? I didn't come to your page for that. So I started to just transition my IG stories and just put personal stuff. I wish I started per- putting a little bit more personal stuff in my main page mm-hmm. just because that's where most people uh, see you, not your IG story. It's like everyone comes to see your main page mm-hmm. and then a little bit of that goes and watches your stories if they're actually you know into seeing what you're doing on a day-to-day basis. And I think adding in a little bit more personality into – my main page would have been great uh almost maybe speaking a little bit earlier too because i didn't do a talking post i did maybe a couple in the first year and a half two years uh but i didn't think i was good at speaking in front of a camera so i decided not to do it Uh, but i wish i did a little bit earlier so people could see how you know i spoke to people how my personality was in an educational setting and they probably would have Um, Probably been more into staying there or staying on the page because I have a pretty big turnover. Uh, It's interesting looking at the insights on uh, Instagram Mm -hmm. because you can see turnover, how many people are following you, unfollowing you, and that's a lot. Uh, So I'm staying pretty even. I'm mobile. My soft tissue is good. Like it was a great year. Yeah, and put it all into practice. Exactly. And, and some of the people that I see in fitness and health, mo- mostly fitness, where they have really, you know, great personalities, people stay there forever, pretty much. Uh, and they build just a loyal following.
1: And they might have a smaller following, but they're loyal as hell. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's a really good point. I remember. I remember when I started posting infographics, and it sort of had that same explosion where I was like, mm-hmm. I'm gonna do this until it doesn't work. If you go back down my feed, there's like just basically a year plus of only infographics and not my face, not my oh, voice, yeah, yeah. nothing. And I remember before, actually, Gary said, he was like, you need to stop posting infographics. And I was like, why? He's like, because they don't know who you are. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, I definitely don't want to be like a, the, actually, the so Gary said that and I was like, nah, screw you, whatever. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was <laughs> like, no. And because uh, it was working so well. Exactly. I was like, why am I going to stop doing this? the comment that made me change my mindset was when someone tagged their friend and said, I love this account. Uh. And it was like, I was like, I'm not an account. Like I'm a real person. And that's when I was like, I got to start mixing in individual personal content as well, both myself and the infographics until eventually I just got tired of making them and, and everyone was doing it and I wanted to stop. I didn't want to be like everybody. Um, but I think that's a really good point. The the thing that I think is really important to remember and to note, a lot of like the business masterminds and gurus <laughs> and whatnot, they'll they'll be like, Tell your story. Tell your story. Tell everyone who you are. And I think that's important, but not in every post. Yes. And most people they'll they'll go on, they'll they'll be like, Like oh yeah, I'm just like I'm bloated. I'm gluten intolerant. Also, and that's every post. It's every and it's. I'm like, listen, that's great, but you're saying the word I more than the saying. The, you're saying the word you. Like every post is about you, is about like, well, this is me, this is me, this is me, this is me, and none of it is actually how can the person reading it actually benefit. So rather than be like, well, I'm gluten intolerant, I'm bloated on this, be like, if you struggle with being gluten intolerant, if you are bloated on a consistent basis, here's what you can do. Here are three practical strategies to improve that. Basically, like if you struggle with mobility, if you struggle with like back pain, whatever it is, and you've done it really well in terms of all the education piece, adding in the personal bit, I think most people, they have sort of 80% about them and 20% education. They really need to flip it where it's like 80% education and 20% Mm -hmm. about them. And then the bigger you get and the more people know you and find you and they care about you, then this ratio can sort of split almost like 60, 40, 50, 50 maybe. But if you're spending more time talking about yourself than you are about actually education, you're missing the boat.
2: Yeah. It's, I actually had a buddy, he was doing so much motivational stuff and I'm like, you're a fitness guy. That's what you were into. But he's like, no, I want to be a motivational guy. I'm like, well, do the fitness stuff first <laughs> so and then get your following, mix, sprinkle it in and then shift. I mean, that's what I did with my therapy, uh, my massage therapy business, my Instagram. It's I started to slowly shift into the other direction where it was almost 100% massage where my income came from and then I was like, you know what, I need to figure out the other side of things. And then I would cut down a little bit on the massage therapy sessions. And then now I had my online business. And then as my online business grew, I shut down some of the hours that I had in my therapy business until now it's the opposite of what I did before. I still do sessions, but it's definitely not as much. Um, and another thing about the whole personal stuff. And like, I see a lot of sob stories and it's, Oh, you know, <laughs> you know, I broke up with blah, blah, blah. They were cheating on me. Um, I feel so bad. Join my mastermind group <laughs> at the bottom, right? Yeah, I, you see that all the time. All these fitness people, they, they're just like, oh, feel bad for me, blah, blah, blah. And then at the bottom, it's Self. the sell. Yeah. And I'm like, well, how truthful is this? Like, are you just trying to sell me on something or do you actually feel this way? Right. Uh, so that's all that. I mean, when you talk about it, I'm like, oh my God, it was straight up. I've seen this so many times where they're just trying to sell their ebook or something. Yeah.
1: yeah. That was good, man. I mean, so, yeah. You're, let's, tell us about the book some more. So, yeah.
2: Yeah. So, the book, uh, you know, I got my Instagram and I kind of live in this Instagram bubble. What's your Instagram? Uh, Joe Therapy. Joe Therapy. Yeah. Joe Therapy on Instagram, Joe Therapy on YouTube. And uh, you can find me at JoeTherapy.com. Uh, but the book is not on Twitter though. Cause someone else. Took someone therapy. has Joe therapy <laughs> on Twitter. That is not me. Some guy named Joe Bradbury. <laughs> and <laughs> so not on Twitter. Don't follow Joe therapy on Twitter. Uh, but I wanted to create the book because I want to help more people because again, I live kind of in this Instagram bubble. It's my first passion, you know, so I wanted to be able to reach other people that might not be on Instagram and it is just another way to simplify things too, because I keep everything simplified on Instagram and in the book. It's simplified, it's categorized in body parts. It also helps you structure some. Uh, some programs on your own. You know you know your body best, so you should be able to structure your own program. Uh, But it was really important for me to also include some stuff on like the soft tissue work, foam rolling, and including things like strength because I don't talk about it too much on my Instagram because I think there's people like you, uh, Mike and Jordan, that can do way better job on the strength side than I can. You guys put your whole lives into that where I put more of my Uh, concentration on more of the mobility side so I rather leave that to the people who are better at it than I am but I want to incorporate it in my book to show that it's not just about stretching it's about incorporating different parts of health and fitness and making one pie Uh, and then hopefully that will help uh, the people who are afraid of strength training to Maybe get motivated to do more of it. It's almost like it's like a, a gateway drug. And, you know, start with start <laughs> the with best a, possible Yeah, way. in the best way. Start with glute bridges and with deadlifts. <laughs> <laughs> and then, so I wanted to make sure that that was part of it because a lot of the people that comment on my stuff, they don't work out. But maybe if they start stretching, doing mobility exercises, feeling better in general, and then mixing in that strength stuff, it might And, you know, might inspire them to run that 5K race, maybe
1: get a trainer, go to the gym a little bit more. Uh, So that was really important for me. Even just doing that in front of their kids, taking nine minutes out of their day to do a mobility routine from you, from the book, and have their kids watch them do that. I think this is one of the things that I think, uh, I mean, the the amount of research showing what your parents do radically affects what your children do is just staggering. and to have your parents take time out of their day to focus on stretching in as little as nine, nine minutes, 10 minutes, whatever it is, it's super important. And like, if nothing else, now there's like a clear cut routine for what they can do to improve and their kids can join in. Like, and everyone likes those Instagram videos. If you have kids, you want to get your kids in the video stretching with you or doing whatever, like those do really well. And it actually is great (laughs) for the kids too.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's absolutely right. We know you got to get to Brooklyn, so gotta go to BK. We'll let you go. Thank this is really Joseph. fun. We appreciate talking <laughs> to you. One last question, not <laughs> Joseph, Joe Jordan. Was the gateway drug thing something that you talked about with the marketers of the book, or did that just was that spur of the moment?
2: That's me. That's all, all right. me. It's, <laughs> I love uh, it. You know, that's what I thought about because it's kind of true. It's like you start. I guess, and you have to flip it so it's good. It's not a bad thing, right?
0: But it, it leads you to something better.
2: Yeah, and I think. People who struggle with pain, you know, they go directly to, and I talk about this in the book a little bit about, oh, what stretch can I do? What Constantly. massage Yeah, what mm-hmm. massage thing can I do? And it doesn't really get to the underlying issue where strength definitely has uh, a part in fixing, you know, quote unquote, quote unquote, fixing you. And a lot of people don't know that. So if they understand what's, you know, what's the truth and reads the book and they can you know get rid of all the bs out there all the products they're trying to sell you to fix you and kind of go take a natural approach you can do it on your own use your you know use your stretching and your body and your strength to accomplish
1: that then you know that's the the point of the book amazing love it man thank you for coming on joe therapy ladies and gents thank you for having me. ever since you said the word pie i've been wanting pie so uh i might have to get some of that thank you man this is great (laughs) oh thanks for having me